You are listening to audio from the Rail City campus of CA Church. We are a church fervently committed to bringing the good news to the city of Port Moody. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. My name is Eve. I'm the youth director here at CA Church, and Pastor Cam invited me to come and talk to you guys today. Uh, You actually finished your I Am series last week, so he asked me to just, you know, ask God what God wants me to talk about, so that's what I did. (laughs) And and God put um, Exodus 33 on my heart. looking at the glory of God. And this is something that I've been, yeah, just really wrestling with over the last couple of weeks. And I'm really um, thankful and excited to be here with you guys today. Um, so yeah, today we're looking at God's glory and what living in light of God's glory looks like. Um, but before we get into it, I'm going to pray for us. Uh, Father God, I thank you so much for um, for everyone here this morning, Lord. We thank you uh, that we're able to meet together and do this. Um, God, as we hear from your word, I pray that, um, yeah, that, Lord, you would be speaking to hearts and minds. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place, not because you're not already here, but out of recognition and submission to what you want to do today, Lord. We give this morning to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's get into it. So something about me, I'm a really skeptical and stubborn person. Does anyone have kids here that are like super stubborn? Anyone? Some toddlers? Anything like, yeah, I see that. Um, So I was a super stubborn kid and, you know, it just lasted through my whole life. And it made coming to faith for me really interesting because, you know, like being a little skeptical, a little angsty, I was like, I'm not going to devote my life to anyone, you know? I'm not going to devote my life to some guy who teaches good moral teachings. Um, But I was going to devote my life to the God of the universe. And when I came to know Jesus, so that is exactly who, um, who I came to know him to be, the God of the universe. And it was, because, um, it was because I experienced God's glory. And I, I recognized that it's, it, Jesus is not just some guy in this book that we read, but he truly is um, the glory of God, the image of God. Um, so I... Yeah, this is why I'm here. And, you know, before every youth night, um, I like to look at our youth leaders, our youth team. And during our group huddle or team meeting, um, I like to also remind them of why they're there, why we're all here. And it's, it's because of this. It's because at some point in your life, the Holy Spirit softened your heart. You heard about the sky, Jesus. You heard about the good news of God, that there's a God who created you and loves you and wants you to love him back and wants you to be close to him in a close relationship with him. And hearing this message, you were struck and something changed in your heart and you experienced the glory of God. And you're here because you've experienced that glory and now you're committed to living for God's glory. And that's what I like to say to our youth leaders every week. And if you're a follower of Jesus here this morning, that's why you're here as well. 
it's because you encountered the glory of God. Because that, that is really what the Christian life is. The Christian life is living in light of God's glory. And Exodus 33 tells us about this man named Moses. And Moses' life is a prime example of this. This was a man who sought God, a man who lived out of a place of deeply knowing and experiencing God's glory. Now, who is Moses? So Moses is someone that God tasked to lead his people, the people of Israel, out of Egypt, where they were enslaved. They were enslaved and they were worked ruthlessly and God was going to save his people and he was going to use Moses to lead them out of Egypt. And this wasn't an easy task. Um, If you have read the Old Testament or know the story at all, the Israelites were not the best at following God. They often turned away. Um, They had a lot of faithlessness. They were prone to wander. Um, And this was not an easy task for Moses to lead these people. Um, But during this time, Moses would meet with God and God would speak to him and God would guide him as he led these people. And in Exodus 33, we see what this was like. We're going to read through Exodus 33, kind of jumping around. Starting in verse 7. Now, Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp that they were staying in uh, some distance, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And as Moses went to the tent, a pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. And the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me lead these people, but you've not let me know whom you'll send with me. You said, I know you by name and I've found favor and you've found favor with me. And if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Then in verse 14, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. And the Lord said to Moses again, I will do the very thing you've asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. That chapter is probably my favorite Uh, part of scripture because I love Moses's boldness. I love his relationship with God, his encounter with God. And that kind of confidence only comes from a deep relationship and knowledge of who God is. And Moses's relationship with God is one that was it was intimate. It was characterized by intimacy and obedience and reliance. We see that Moses just wants the presence of God and won't go where God isn't. And this intimacy, obedience, reliance, all of this is a result of Moses knowing God's glory. 
His relationship with God was characterized by these experiences that he had, experiencing God's glory, being in his presence. And the posture of Moses in his life shows his understanding of God, that he had a reverence and awe for God's glory. So the Christian life is exactly that. It's living in light of God's glory. Now, the glory of God is an interesting thing to talk about. It's an interesting topic because what is the glory of God? It's a word that we hear in church a lot. Uh, We just sung about it. Um, But the glory of God is the ever-increasing revelation of his essence and purposes displayed through his word, his works, and his felt presence which then calls for the receivers are unity and reflection. And this, um, the Hebrew term used for glory in Exodus 33, when Moses says, show me your glory, it's used nearly 200 times in the Old Testament. And it comes from this root word meaning weight. This is talking about the the importance, the distinction, the the heaviness, the weightiness, the honor of God. This is the glory of God. God's glory is so much greater than we could ever handle or imagine, so much weightier. Um, And you can't put it into words. And when we try to, when we try uh, to put God's glory into words exactly, um, we're, we're in danger of trying to put God in a box. And when, when you do this, we start to lose the, magnific- the magnificence and, and power and mystery of God's glory. So, like I said, it's an interesting thing to talk about. It's an interesting thing to preach on. And honestly, I, I wrestled a lot with this message because I you know, I wanted to study and be like so deep in the theology, so deep in the word, but then I started getting so stuck in my head. And I was thinking so much about God's glory and his presence and focusing so much on like talking about it that I was actually keeping myself from experiencing God's presence. I do this a lot. I overthink or I get stuck in my head and I'm like, God, I just want, I want to feel you. I want to know you. And I just like, I get so worked up that I'm so worked up. I'm not in a place where I could recognize God's presence and feel his glory. So a proper knowledge of God is important. It's super important. But we can't always be too concerned with the head stuff when it comes to God's glory. We can't quite comprehend it. It doesn't quite make sense. But we can get to know God's glory by experiencing it. And Moses was someone who had, and God showed Moses tastes of his glory um, so much throughout the, throughout the Old Testament. And and we're going to look at this next passage where, where God, um, God continues to show Moses his glory. Um, so after, after verse, seven, verse 18, when, when Moses looks at God and says, God, show me your glory, we see that, that God actually, he did. So we're going to read on uh, to verse 19. It says, 
And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there's a place near me where you may stand on a rock, and when my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I'll remove my hands, and you'll see my back, but my face must not be seen. Now, when I first read this, I was like, man, like, that's incredible. You know, like, God's glory is passing by Moses. And I was so, um, so like, caught up in the majesty and, like, awe of this um, that, that I didn't notice at first what was really going on here. Um, this, this experience that Moses had with God wasn't actually this large showy event in comparison to some ways that God has showed his glory, but rather it was a close and intimate time with God. This passage doesn't so much focus on the physical aspect of God's manifestation as much as it does on God revealing himself. And we see this in a few ways. First, when Moses asked to see God's glory, he responded by saying that his goodness would pass in front of Moses. This was showing us that that God's character is more than just his beautiful image and gleaming, beaming glory, Um, but he caused his goodness to pass by. And God said that as he passes by, he would proclaim his name, the Lord. And God's revelation of of his name as the Lord is a proclamation of his glory. It's God revealing his very essence. It's attached to his person. And God's name proclaimed directly from the mouth of God really just lays this, this foundation for the rest of scripture. It reveals to us the very nature of who God is. That, that he is the I am. He's, he's ever present. He's actively involved. He's accessible. He's personal, relational. So God's revelation of his glory um, by proclaiming his name truly is a revelation of himself. So in this encounter between God and Moses, God's heart is revealed. We, we see God's heart and his goodness. And we also see that when God passes by Moses, he, Moses wasn't able to see his face. He says, you can't see my face and live. And this is because God's glory was too powerful, too mighty, too much for, for Moses to be able to handle. And this speaks to the weightiness of God's glory. There's so many parts to this. But then in the same passage, as God says, you can't look at my face, he says, but, but I will shield you with my hands. You can go to this cleft and I'll cover you with my hand until my glory passes by. So God reveals to Moses and us even more about his character in that, that God, God was covering Moses with his hand. This is such beautiful and intimate imagery and language. And and this shows so much about God's character and inner glory. This is an example of his love and care and and it proves his desire for us to know him. His mighty 
glory that instills in us this fear of the Lord has has this weight to it, it has a heaviness, it has this, this like part that we can't quite comprehend, but then God also just reveals who he is in his glory. It's the very essence of God. So overall, God's revelation of his name and character was given to show Moses that a relationship with him is possible, um, that he truly is accessible, even for sinners. And God's glory is truly an, incre- an increasing revelation of his essence and purposes. And Moses continued to see this, see God's glory um, as he would meet with him. And we're going to move on to Exodus 34. So in Exodus 34, God tells Moses to chisel out two stone tablets And then he would write on them so Moses could share with the people what the Lord had said. Um, So we're going to read a little bit about this. So, uh, then God said to Moses, write down these words for in accordance, or write down these words, um, I've made a covenant with you and Israel. And then he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Then after this, we see that when Moses came down from the mountain where he was meeting with God, with two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses and his face was radiant, they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, so Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the, Israel, um, afterward, all the Israelites came near, and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, He removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites who had been commanded, they saw his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord again. Now, Moses' face here, it's said to be shining, not because of necessarily like God's settling presence or this big display, but it was because he had been talking with God. He was face to face with God. Uh, His face was shining because he experienced the glory of God in his conversation. Um, there There was a glory associated with the giving of the old covenant law. Um, This was God's instruction that he gave to Moses and to the Israelites for how they were to live and follow God. And after Moses came back from meeting with God, his face was shining. There was a glory. And this freaked people out, you know. They were scared, which makes sense. You know, you read that. I can't even comprehend quite what that would look like. Like, it would be like... I was looking at Nathan, being like, hey, Nathan, but really felt like I was just staring into that stage light. Like, it's such a, you know, like, it would be scary. So Moses put a veil over his face. And 
I always assumed, I think it's fair to assume, that he put the veil over his face to shield people from the radiance and not to freak people out. Um, but in 2 Corinthians 3, Paul actually references this experience in Exodus, and he gives us more insight into what, what this veil was actually, was actually all about. Now, the glory of the Old Covenant, it was grand. We saw that. There was like a radiant face of Moses when it was given to him, no doubting that. But this glory was, this glory was actually fading. This glory was fading. And Moses wore the veil because he didn't want the Israelites to see that the radiance on his face, the glory of the old covenant, was fading. And Paul doesn't just reference the, the temporary fading glory of the covenant, the old covenant, but in 2 Corinthians 3, he actually goes as far as to say that the old covenant, this law, kills. He calls it a ministry of death. And this is so interesting because there was glory associated with it. This was God's goodness. He was, he was being with his people. He was talking to his people. So, so was it wrong for Paul to call the old covenant a ministry of death after seeing how much glory was associated with it? I would say no, because... Because this old covenant law, um, this is exactly what the law does to us. It kills us as guilty sinners before a just God. And the law wasn't the problem. The law came with the glory, but the problem was with us, sin in us. We couldn't keep the law, so rather than it helping us live, um, rather than helping us live with God, it further established our guilt before God. And the law, the law was given because God loved his people and wanted them to live with him and like him, but the law didn't actually help us with our sin problem. It was a temporary solution. So does that mean we like vilify the old covenant? No. In, in making the old covenant, God was showing his glory like never before. He was speaking to his people, revealing so much of his character, his glory, radiance, goodness, all of that. But then we see later on in the Bible that, that God does it again. He displays his glory like never before, and he makes a new covenant with his people. And this new covenant had even greater glory than the last. And this, this new covenant... Um, was amazing. So the glory of the old covenant was amazing. And when it was established in Exodus, God actually showed his glory in so many powerful ways. At Mount Sinai, there was smoke and there were earthquakes and thunder and lightning and like a trumpet blast and God's voice and all of this. But most of all, we saw it in the face, the shining face of Moses. So, so we see that the glory of the old covenant was incredible. But this new covenant would be even greater, even greater than the thunder and the trumpets and the shining face of Moses. And this new covenant was put into motion by Jesus. 
So through Jesus' death on the cross, he was putting to death the old covenant, the old way of doing things, and he put the new covenant in play. And that event changed everything. His blood cleansed us from the sin that the law exposed, and Jesus was killed so the law wouldn't kill us. This new covenant wasn't a ministry of death, but this new covenant would be a ministry of the Spirit. It was a ministry of grace. And Paul speaks of this even even more in 2 Corinthians 3, and we're going to read it here, starting in verse 6. He says, this is a covenant not written of laws, not of written laws, but of the Spirit. The old written covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. The old covenant, um, the old covenant law does kill us. It does kill us as guilty sinners before God. But it's so that we can be resurrected by the new covenant showing an even greater uh, display of God's glory. And we'll go on to verse 9. It says, If the old way which brings condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way which makes us right with God? In fact, that first glory was not glorious at all compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way. So if the old way which has been replaced was glorious... How much more glorious is the new, which remains forever? This covenant, this new covenant, didn't have a fading glory. It had a lasting glory. It doesn't require a veil to shield people from God's fading glory because it would not fade. This was a glory that lasts. And Paul continues um, in verse 13. It says, We're not like Moses, who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened. And to to this day, whenever the Old Covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Yes, even today, when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil and they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away, for the Lord is a spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. This, this Greek word here used for freedom it's, it's used for freedom or liberty. And it's translated to a personal freedom from servitude, confinement, oppression. And, and this is understood as a freedom from spiritual blindness, a freedom from a hardened heart towards God. So where the, the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom He gives us the ability to experience the glory of God and have a relationship with him. It's with a removed veil from our faces and hearts that you're a liberated person. You're liberated by Christ to see and experience the glory of God through close relationship. And 
Moses, uh, when it says that he was, he was in God's presence, he was invited into God's presence. And the word for presence, literally translated, is actually face. So drawing near to God, or being in God's presence, was literally being before the face of God. So when you experience the glory of God in your everyday, it's as if you're being face-to-face with God in that tent like Moses was. And you know, I, I used to envy Moses' relationship with God. Like I said, Exodus 33 is one of my favorite passages in scripture, and I would just read that and read it and read it and be like, oh, God, like I want that. I want that face-to-face connection. I want to see your glory. I want that confidence. I want all of that. Um, and, and I envied it until I realized that I can have that too. I too can have the intimate, this intimateness with God, this full access to his presence and, and experience his glory. And, and with the new covenant that God has established, we actually, we don't, it's, it's not like we only get to be in God's presence sometimes, but we have a new freedom, a new accessibility to God with an unfading revelation of his glory. Um, this glory is lasting and it's available, to, it's available to you. It's available to all of us. And Paul actually invites every Christian to a special and glorious and intimate relationship with God. A relationship that's not just for a few privileged Christians like Moses and then maybe like Pastor Cam and maybe me because I'm up here, you know, you just assume. But no, it's available to everyone. And I think if we're being honest, a lot of us would say that this sounds nice. Reading this is awesome. Uh, Hearing that this is available to you sounds really nice, but I think... I think a lot of us would say that we've never experienced God's glory like that before. And maybe you're sitting here and thinking of like, you hear testimonies or stories from friends of like prophetic dreams that they would get, or I don't know, people would be talking about being in God's word, doing daily devotionals, and the Lord just spoke to them. And maybe you hear people talk like this and you're like, wow, that's really awesome for you. But, like, I have no idea what that's like. (laughs) And often the problem we run into is that we have an incorrect view of God's glory. We put God in this box. And we neglect to recognize and see the different ways that he reveals himself. And, you know, some people do have these more eccentric, for lack of a better word, like these more obvious, big encounters and experiences of God's presence. And that's just how he manifests himself in those bold and obvious ways to some. But if we only look for the big God moments, we miss out on on seeing so much of God's glory in our everyday life. And something I like to say is that no God thing is a small thing. Um, So when people say like, oh man, like, no, I don't have any God stories or God isn't really doing anything in my life, even the small things, even the small, small um, glimpses of God's glory is big because no God thing is a small thing. 
And in Exodus, glory was seen in an extremely beauty, beautiful, radiant shining um, of Moses's face, like that God's glory was there. It was obvious, it was big, it was beautiful. Or the cloud that covered the mountain as God, um, or as Moses would meet with God, all of that. But we also see that in our first passage, when Moses says, God, show me your glory. Um, God, God says that, that his goodness will pass in front of him. And Moses says, like, you told me to lead your people and, and, and I, I want your presence to go with us. And God says that his presence will go with them and he will give him rest. So God's glory was as strong and real in the radiant, shining face of Moses as it was in this more intimate, small promise of giving Moses rest as he leads the Israelites. Both of these are manifestations of the glory of our almighty God, and one is not greater than the other. Um, I think a lot of us experience God's glory, but we don't always recognize it because it isn't what we had in mind or isn't, if we're being honest, how we want God to appear to us sometimes. But have you, have you ever had just like a deep feeling of peace come over you? Or in worship? Have you ever been worshiping God in church or something and you feel so, so connected, so close to God? That's, that's you experiencing God's glory. And that, that's why worship is a gift because we experience God's glory in those times. And, and we all long for, God, for God's glory, whether we recognize it or not, whether we admit it or not. And, and I, I was thinking about um, some of my friends. So I have a lot of friends who aren't believers. And when we talk about like the purpose of life, why are we here? You know, I, I feel like the phrase like live and let live comes up a lot where people just want to live. So, so for most people, most, um, I would say non-Christian people, uh, the point or goal of life is to have a happy and satisfying existence and yeah, have a life that fills our emotional and physical and mental needs. And I think all of us can get caught up kind of chasing highs throughout life trying to get that. But anything that, that gives us those feelings of joy and, yeah, and satisfaction in life, anything that brings you joy and makes life even more beautiful is only because it, it's a reflection of something about the character of God. So whether that's like the love and excitement of a new relationship or, I don't know, maybe a baby or something like that, all of those things bring us so much joy and those are good things. Those are good God-given things. But, but eventually those things will fail us and that, 
that excitement, that happiness will fade. But the only thing that won't fade is God's glory. So everything we long for in life, like stability, relationships, love, belonging, security, you fill in the blank, um, that the only way that we will truly find fulfillment in those areas is to pursue the presence and glory of God because that's exactly what it is. God's presence and his glory is him revealing himself to us, right? Through his word, his works, his felt presence. And, and who is God? He is a God who's loving. He is a God who brings us peace. He is a God who is almighty and in control and is big. And, and he's a God who's accessible thanks to this new covenant that we have, this new covenant that shows the glory of God in a way that will not fade. We have accessibility to the presence of God in a way where we don't just leave the tent and God's not there, but through his spirit, we can live in God's glory. So, so really the Christian life is exactly that. It's living in light of God's glory. And as I was thinking of of like, okay, this is all awesome. We all want that, you know? We all want to be satisfied and happy. And if that comes from God's glory, then like, yes, I want that. But sometimes that's a lot easier being said than done. Um, So I think that as we kind of leave here today, um, it's my hope and my prayer that Well, first of all, that you would experience God's glory in this place today. And that this would propel you um, onto wanting more of it. Um, A few years ago, at our young adults ministry, uh, Ethos, there was one night where God's glory was shown like I've never seen it before at our church. (laughs) We were, it was a group of young adults and we're all worshiping and, you know, like the music is growing and you just feel this heaviness and this presence in the room. And, and I looked back and Dozens of young adults were on their knees, on their faces, on the ground, because because they felt the presence of God. That was what happens. That's That's what a bunch of individuals experiencing the glory of God does. It brings us to worship. It brings us to our knees. It brings us to our faces where we are crying because we've never experienced anything like it or anything better. And that's what church is. (laughs) It's a bunch of people who've experienced the glory of God and are now living in light of that. That's why we come here every Sunday. We don't do it because of obligation. That would be the law 
the Old Testament, but we do it because of this glory of God that we want to experience and live in light of. So I'm going to invite the band up at this time. So in response to this, we, we come to the table. We're going to go into a time of communion. And we do this because the reason we live in the freedom of the new covenant and the reason we experience God's glory, which changes us and transforms us, and when, when we experience it, we recognize that, that there's nothing, we don't want anything more than just more of God. And, and when we experience the glory of God and recognize this full access that we have uh, to his presence, to experience his glory, this is because the greatest display of God's glory went to the cross. We get to experience God in this personal and deep and intimate and sometimes big and radiant and other times restful and peaceful way because Jesus made this possible. So I'm going to invite the communion up. So we take communion because it... It represents um, his sacrifice. It represents the hope that Jesus has given us. The, the bread or wafer being his body that was given for us. And, and the juice being his blood that was poured out for us, bringing in um, the, new, the new covenant. Um, so it's out of thanksgiving and reverence and excitement that we come to the table today. We don't, again, we don't do this because we're told to do this and this is just a thing we do in church. But we do this because every time we take communion, we're recognizing Jesus' sacrifice, we're coming with thanksgiving, and we're coming with excitement. That one day, we will be face to face, actually face to face with God and see him in his full glory. But until then, we come to the table, we pursue God, we spend time with God, we live in light of his glory and we let his glory radiate out of us. <laughs> we live in light of God's glory and we live for his glory. So I'm going to pray for us before we come to the table tonight or this morning. God, I thank you so much. Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. And Lord, I thank you that your presence is here. God, I thank you that through your sacrifice, Jesus, we have full accessibility to this presence and that it is only in your presence that we will, that we will find what we need to spur us on daily, that we'll find true joy and true love and true satisfaction. So Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for, 
for making this possible. Thank you, Lord, for your love and grace. And, um, and I'm just so thankful that you are a God who wants, who knows us and wants us to know you. So Lord, would you show us your glory this morning as we respond? Thank you, Lord. Amen. You can come up when you're ready. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca slash rail city to find out more information about getting involved in the life and mission of the rail city campus of CA Church.